0: God, Thank you, Father. Greetings, church. It's good to be home. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Last week, by the grace of God, I was ministering in Chicago. And I want to thank all of you who upheld me in your prayers. Truly appreciate that. This morning shall we turn our attention to the scriptures, James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Amen. Praise the Lord. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil... And he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. My Father, we are grateful to you this morning. We thank you for your word. We bow down to the Lordship of Jesus and we acknowledge that you are our Lord and our Savior. This morning, speak into our lives. May your word come with all of its grace and bring forth conviction and deliverance into each and every one of us, Father. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind them in Jesus' name. Every critical spirit, we still it in Jesus' name and we take victory. And the church said, Amen. Please be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Today's message is titled Steps to Victory. Steps to Victory. Praise God. Steps to Victory. Praise God. The Bible says, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Praise God. Amen. Well, what does this got to do with us? Well, every word in the Bible is applicable to us when we allow the Lord to speak into our lives in every season of our lives. Amen. We are a special group of people. How many of you guys believe that you are special? Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm special. Some feel, don't you feel good by at least saying it? Hmm? Well, we are special. Amen. We are special because we are God's children. Praise the Lord. And when we think and remember where is it that God has pulled us out of, and where God has brought us, and where we are going, all the more it should bring in within us a new excitement of who we are, praise God, because what God has done within us, praise God. This is how Paul puts it. He says, he has called us out of darkness into darkness, Marvelous light. Praise the Lord. So we were once under the dominion of darkness. Praise God. We were following a different drum beat. We were in chains and fetters, spiritually speaking. We were sold as slaves to sin. But thank God for Jesus, the great emancipator. He came to our aid, broke the yoke of oppression that was upon us, set us God free to love him, to live a life that is pleasing to him. So he has pulled us out of darkness into marvelous light so that we can live as children of light. And allow the light to shine forth from our hearts. Just because we were pulled out of darkness, just because God has broken that chain, does not mean that you and I would not have challenges, resistance, attack, and the onslaught of the enemy. Praise God. Every Christian ought to know that we have an enemy. Praise the Lord. How many of you know that you have an enemy? We have an enemy, and that enemy is active, working against each and every one of our lives. We, as God's children, cannot live with the mindset as if we are in a playground. A child of God is not in a playground, but he is in a battleground. The mindset of a playground and the mindset of a battleground is totally different. When you are in a playground, the set of rules that governs you is different. When you are in a battleground, the set of rules that governs you will decide and dictate between life and death. Praise the Lord. So as God's children, we have to be have to be aware of the fact that we have to be alert, that we have to be, we have to be sharp, and we have to be Uh, on the move. Move in the sense we ought to be aware of the plan and the devices that is brewing against our lives. You and I are enlisted in the army of God. Praise God. Our placements and our positions might be different, but I'm telling you, you and I are in the army of God. And as being in the army of God, you also have to realize that you and I are targets of the enemy. But there is a cordon of God's protection that covers you and me. Don't we ever underestimate the power of the enemy. Praise God. Our God is an almighty God. Our God is an all-powerful God. That doesn't mean that you and I can live a careless, casual life thinking. Everything is okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. You and I have to be sensitive to the Lord and always have to make moves because our enemies act and he wants to engage with you and me praise the lord hallelujah see the battle plan that god gives to a child of god is always fresh and new and you and i should be aware of how god is leading to combat each issues in our lives There is an enemy that's waiting to bring about our downfall, praise God. As individuals, as family, as church, the enemy's plan is very simple, it has not changed. Jesus puts it this way in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. Praise God. But I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. God wants us to experience abundance of life. That doesn't mean that the enemy is just going to sit around idle. He's going to be active and his mission is threefold steal, kill, and destroy. Praise God. And the God's word tells us that you and I as God's children, as people who are enlisted in the army of God, we ought to put the full armor of God and stand against the wiles of the enemy. Praise the Lord. You know, when you study the Roman soldier, he was given a complete armor that would cover his Body, But there was one area that was not covered. His backside was not covered. He would be completely arrayed in an armor, but his backside would not be covered. The reason being, the soldiers wear and they're expected to move forward, press forward, engage with the enemy, and take new grounds in our lives. Let me ask you, church. In your personal life, in each and every one of our personal life, have we taken new grounds from the enemy? Just evaluate for a minute. Ask yourself, last week, week before, last month, last year, this year, you know, are we able to press forward in our spiritual life? Are we able to gain new grounds in our spiritual life? Or is the enemy being pushing and pressing upon our lives and we have been retreating? Praise God. We need to ask that question to ourselves. Paul puts it very interestingly. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says he brings out two offensive weapons there. Two offensive weapons. One offensive weapon is used by Satan himself, and another offensive weapon is used by a Christian who is expected to be a warrior for the Lord. Do you know what is the weapon? Choice weapon of Satan as Paul puts it in Ephesians 6. Anyone? Knife? Somebody said knife? Huh? lying okay lying okay this is how it says paul puts that's why i specifically said is lying in a a, a, and weapon yes it is but i specifically asked the question in ephesians chapter 6 the choice weapon of satan is a arrow or a fiery dart of the enemy the fiery dart of the enemy you know, what's the difference between a dart and a fiery dart? Or an arrow or a fiery arrow? What's the difference? Hmm? The arrow, this is what they used to do. They, they would just take the arrow or the dart and dip it in tar. And they would ignite it before they would shoot it. So it, it had two purposes to it. Number one, it would pierce the soldier's body. At the same time, the fiery dart had an additional feature to it. And the additional feature would do much more damage. While the arrow would pierce through a body, the fiery dart would, the additional feature would do what? Would pierce through and burn that area of that body. And the enemy's choice weapon, according to Paul in Ephesians 6, is the fiery darts of the enemy. Praise God. Constantly the enemy is sitting on ambush. He's sitting here and there and he's constantly releasing fiery arrows at each and every one of the believer. Hey guys, none of us are exempt from this. None of us are exempt from this, so the fiery arrows can come in a least expected time, in a least expected place, from least expected people. Okay, this is something that we need to know. Okay, it can come as a thought in your life. You know, you might you You might be seated here, all pious all saintly dressed very well groomed very well but at the same time the enemy can release a fiery dart right into your mind can your mind, your thought taking away your concentration away from the God of glory. Here it is. God of glory. You are true. You're in connection with him. But here comes a fiery dart that is thrown right at you into your mind realm disturbing your thought, taking you, deviating you from the focus of attention, from the focus of attraction, from the focus on the object of worship, the Mind is taken away because a fiery dart has been allowed to enter. And Paul says, You have been you and I have been given the shield of faith so that every time the enemy throws a fiery dart at you, you can stop it before it makes an impact upon your life. Praise God. So the enemy doesn't have to show up. Knock at your door and say, hello, good morning, here I am, this is my agenda, I'm going to disturb your life, and I'm going to defile your life. No, he doesn't have to do it. He can shoot a fiery dart, praise God, and get done his objective. But the believer has been given a shield of faith to oppose it, and to stand against it. Now, the believer, according to Paul, also has been given a weapon. What is that weapon? It's the sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I want you to ask yourself a question. What is the difference between these two offensive weapons? Tell me. Quick. What's the difference? What's the major difference between a fiery dart, a fiery arrow, and a sword that's being given into your hands? Come, come, come. One is? One is defensive, one is offensive. Actually, both weapons are offensive. Huh? One is in the hand, the other one is? If the sword of the spirit has to be effective, it cannot leave the hand. It cannot leave the hand. The sword of the spirit is potent. Okay? It is powerful. But it cannot leave the hand. It has to be on your hand. You cannot put it down. You cannot put it on a shelf. You cannot put it on your phone. It has to be available, ready in the hands of the soldier. While the enemy, he does what? He sits far off and praise God. Hallelujah. In other words, he can sit far and engage with you. You have to come face to face and slit him down with the weapon that's given yes. in your hand. Moving forward, moving forward. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. You know, when we read this verse, we see that here you see an unveiling formulating a battle formula right there. You know, when you study Old Testament and when you saw God's people waging warfare, you will understand that God as the commander-in-chief, one of the titles given to the Lord is, he's known as the Lord of Host. Praise God, the Lord of Host. okay? And we see that when God's children inquired of God, God would give strategies to them as to how to go on an offensive, praise the Lord God would give them strategies okay, see you and I have to know this that when we are connected to him God can unveil a plan for us where we are able to foil the schemes of the enemy where we are able to disable the plans and the purpose of the enemy against our lives for that We have to align ourselves with the great strategist, the Lord himself, as he enables us. You read the strategy of, 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 of David in Battlefield. Each time he would inquire of God, Lord, should I pursue? The Lord will say, go pursue. The Lord, you would ask, how would I go? The Lord says, put ambush. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting how God works. Even in this day and age, if we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he will tell us how to move forward as the enemy prepares and pr- prepares the battleground to bring you and me down. So as we look into this passage, we see here three directions. Okay. Three directions are given here. Three directions, and there are seven verbs. Out of seven verbs, five are active and two are passive. Look at the three directions. Look at the words carefully and tell me what are the three directions. Number one is the upward direction. Number two is the inward direction. Number three is the Outward direction. Alright? Now here we go. I want you to look at this. Number one is what? Number one is the upward direction. It's the upward direction. Okay. What does it mean? The upward direction, if the Bible says, is what? Number one, you need to do what? Submit to God. Submit to God. Okay? Otherwise, if you and I have to be people who must live the victorious life, continue to tread on the highway of victory, we need to be people who have the upward direction, meaning you and I have to be connected to God. Connected to God. Okay. Develop that connection with Him. Now, how do how does it start? We all know, you know, the upward direction develop a Godward relationship with Him. Okay? It starts the relationship or the connection starts by our by us yielding ourselves and acknowledging the lordship of Jesus upon our lives and acknowledging that Jesus is the lord savior and redeemer of my life that's the beginning many have started but then they don't want to continue to submit themselves to God submission to God Praise God. Each day you and I should be in a place where we yield and submit ourselves to God in our daily life. Praise God. Be subject to him, ready to listen to him and obey him not once in a while but every day. Being tender and contrite in our heart And be opposed to being proud, stubborn, and stiff-necked. Praise God. You know, so the upward direction, the number one thing that that James puts it here is, Submit yourself to God. Praise God. Submit yourself to God. Praise God. See, we are God's people who have experienced grace in our lives. You know, grace changes things around. Grace makes submission to God not out of fear but out of reverence to God. Praise God. Submission out of reverence to God which continues to create within us a heart of tenderness, being sensitive to God and responding to God in a positive way. Praise God. The second thing in the upward direction that James puts it, he says, number one, you need to submit to God. Number two, you need to do what? Draw near to God. Praise God. We need to do what? Draw near to God. How can you draw near to God? What is it that you need to do to get draw near to God? Tell me. What can we do to get drawn near to God? Pray, worship? Yes. Reading the word? Hmm. Good, correct, all of them. Go ahead. Somebody said something. Can't be wrong, yes. Huh? Fasting, okay. What else? Huh? Think about Him. Very good. Very good. Think about Him. Good. Trust Him. Very good. All right. We're going, Mom. Draw near to God. How is it that we can draw near to God? What am I supposed to do? Move from here to here. How is it? Live a life that is pleasing to God. The drawing has to start where? On a drawing board. Where has the drawing got to start? Here. In other words, see, I can do everything physically and be in the house of God. But it be far from God. So when God's word says draw near, the heart should draw near to God. Praise God. Once the heart is drawn near to God, it affects every arenas of our lives. Praise God. It affects our attitude. It affects our appetites. It affects our association. It affects every arena of our hearts. That's why in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Jesus quotes it also. The, 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 what they said was Jesus said and what the Old Testament prophets said, this people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far. So drawing near to God has to start with our hearts. And so we need to come and we need to unveil our hearts before God and ask ourselves, what is the condition of my heart? Is my heart calloused? Is my heart Hardened? A hardened heart and a calloused heart cannot respond to God. No matter how much you hear from God. No matter what God does for you. He shakes the heaven for you. He shakes your your environment. Nothing happens because the heart is hardened. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Nothing happened. Ten plagues. Nothing. A man could not... Come to a place where he could make any decisions. So you and I have, as we approach God. Pray Lord give me a sensitive heart. Have to pray. Praise God. In the Old Testament. The prophet Ezekiel says God tells him. I will take the heart of stone. And I will give them a heart of flesh. So we have to pray Lord. You know my heart is hardened. Make me sensitive Ask the Lord, you know, don't go through this, this ritual of songs, this and that, and all those things. Sit in the presence of God and tell Him, Lord, you know, I can't feel you the way that I want you to feel. I can't feel your presence. My heart is hardened, my mind is distracted. Lord, make me sensitive to you. Praise God. That should be a cry. Of our hearts, that's why the psalmist says, As the heart, as the deer pants after the brooks, so my soul longeth after this morning. What is your longing for? What are you longing for? You tell me what you are longing for, I'll tell you where your heart is. Praise God. Do you want to know what's the condition of your heart? Ask yourself, what is it that I'm longing for? Praise God. So this is very important that we do what? We submit to God. Our our connection is very important. And the outcome is what? The Bible says, if you draw to God, what's the outcome? God says, I will draw to you. Wow. So the question is, what is keeping me away from experiencing the presence of God as I ought to? Ask yourself. What? Who is keeping me away from experiencing God's presence the way that I should? Answer. Who? Question is W-H-O. Three words. Answer. Answer, guys. We ourselves. The answer is me, not anyone else. Praise God. Listen, if God's word says, draw closer to me and I will draw closer to you, it's not maybe I will come. That's not what it says. It doesn't say, perhaps I will. No. It says, you draw closer to God. God will draw closer to you. Praise God. Isn't that beautiful? So as you go home today, you need to ask yourself, Lord, you know, what is it that's keeping me from drawing closer to you or keen experience what you have for me. Let's move on. So the first one we said was the upward direction, which means I have to develop and cultivate a Godward relationship, all right? The second one is the, the inward direction. The first one was upward direction. The second one is inward direction, okay? So the inward direction starts with what? What? Cleanse your hands. Does it say cleanse your neighbor's hands? Huh? We ought to cleanse our own hands. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And the second one is purify your hearts, you double-minded. Praise God. Listen. Number one, cleanse your. Let me see your hands. Look at your hands. Is it clean? Yeah, all our hands are clean. We made sure that we cleaned our hands before we came to church. Nothing, nothing in, 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 in those nails are clean. The hands are clean. Everything looks nice and clean. You know? The psalmist says, give us... Clean hands. Who shall ascend into the holy mountain of God? He who has a clean hands. What does this represent? What does this represent? Tell me. When the Bible says clean your hands, what does it represent? You think that the Bible is what the Bible is promoting? Plural? You think the Bible is promoting plural? No. What is the Bible saying? Say, Clean your hands. Holiness? Huh? Praise God. This shows activity. This shows action. Hey, where your hands been last week? What was it involved in? What did you use your hands for? That's something that we need to ask ourselves praise God, other than doing this, praise God, praise God, that's good. What else did we use our hands for? So the Bible says, once we do an upward direction, we've got to do an inward direction, looking into our own selves. The hands are the activities. The activities have to be kosher. Was it kosher? Well, according to our, view, all our own standards, And the question is not our standard. What God is expecting is his standards. And for any reason, if these hands have been defiled, what can we do this morning? What can we do this morning? The next thing that James puts it, he says, purify your hearts purify your minds you double minded purify so cleansing and purifying the minds it talks about our motives the deepest desires of a heart see unlike what people think this is connected to this am i right this is connected to this Our minds are directly connected to the activities that go on. The activities are physical. The activities are at times invisible. But the motives and thoughts that brew within our hearts are not visible. It only becomes visible when it becomes an action and a deed. But deep down inside our heart. There is a brewing taking place. The brewing is controlled either by the Holy Spirit, which is a spirit of God, or it is controlled by the old nature, the flesh man, the old man, and the deeds. The actions will reveal the state of our mind. So in the inward direction... James says, cleanse your hands, purify your minds. And for that, what we got to do? I need to come, forget about you. I need to come to that fountain which is flowing. There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's swain, and sinners plunged beneath the flood will lose their guilty stains. Praise God. If you're uptight this morning in the house of God, God wants you to experience loose. Praise God. Loose what? Praise God. Losing the guilty stains will bring forth a new freedom and liberty in your soul and in your spirit so that there is an exuberance in worship. There is a new excitement in worship. There is new celebration in worship because now I'm not weighed down with a sagging spirit but I have a spirit that wants to soar with the spirit of God into new realms, into into new heights, into new dimension with the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Hallelujah! So I have to come. I come, confess, forsake, renounce, repent, forsake, and say, Lord, here I am. Sprinkle that blood of Jesus and cleanse me. And do you know what the word ministry does? The word is known as the water of God's word, which washes us. The reason that we have the word ministry is not because it's part of the ritual. Praise and worship, word, communion, go home. No. The word of God is ministered so that we can experience a cleansing. Praise God. When we come to that place, oh Lord. The condition of my heart, the motives of my heart, it's not good, Lord. You know, the wonderful thing is, can you imagine if we all had to go to a person and tell them all the boo-boos that we've been doing and all the boo-boos that you've been thinking? Well, we have a person in Jesus who is our mediator, seated at the right hand of God, interceding for you and for me, you can go to him and tell him without being afraid that he would leak it. And you tell people they're going to pick up that phone, and they will start texting, and they will start calling, and let the whole world know, praise God, the real you. Praise God. Ask the Lord to, this morning, cleanse your hands, Lord. Purify my heart. Lord, help me, Father, so the motives of my heart, the desires of my heart, be such that it's pleasing to you and it would only produce act, deeds that is approved and attested by God. Praise God, so that on that day, when he's dealing with us, our hands will be strong. Praise God. Ninodakariam Turkananarl Ninda Karangal Bella Patirikum. Praise God. Bella partiamangil in today we have to come with our hands and our hearts before God and say, Lord oh shower that cleansing father i need that deep cleansing praise god not just a swipe praise god not just a wipe but a deep cleansing praise god move on praise god the bible says i'm running out of my time the bible says there is an outcome to this exercise The inward direction, which cleansing and purification, there is an outcome for this exercise. That outcome is it produces holiness. It produces what? Holiness. What is holiness? Somebody puts it like this. Being holy is you are so full of God that there is no room for anything else. Holiness is being so full of God that there is no room for anything else. Ask yourself. Ask your neighbor, what do you think I'm full of? And if they tell you the truth, you also tell them the truth. I think you're full of. God wants us to be full of Him. Praise God. He has taken residence in us. Who? The Spirit of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, holiness. Amen. Holiness. The outcome is holiness. Quite often, God's people struggle with being double-minded. You know what double-minded is? Purify your minds, you double minded. What's double minded? Hmm? What's double minded? Being being not sure. Anybody else from the sisters? Be what's double minded? Wavering one day here, one day there. It's as if we are we are bopping, we are you know making some moves, we are dancing, you know, today here, tomorrow there, all over the place. God has not placed us in a dancing floor, but he has placed us on the, on the rock to stage. So if you can stand on the rock and rock, that's good. But God doesn't want you to be double-minded one day here, one day there, one day here, one day there. The Greek word that's used for double-minded is dipsakos, meaning having two souls being torn apart. In today's lingo, it means riding the fence. Double-minded. The Bible is full of examples of people who are double-minded. You know, James himself puts up so many things about being double-minded. We pray, but we doubt that's being double-minded. We hear God's word, but we don't act on it. That's being double-minded. We say one thing with our mouth now, then we say something else with our mouth now. That's being double-minded. James says from the same mouth, you cannot bless God and you cannot curse man. Praise God. We demand for change, and when we get change, we are not happy, we do not want to follow through. Hey! double-minded. Praise God. God doesn't want us to be double-minded. We need to ask ourselves, Lord, is that me? If that's me, help me, Father, so that I will be single-minded. Praise God. You know how Paul puts it? He says we need to be people who serve with singleness of heart. In other words, there is no other agenda in serving God praise God the outcome is definitely holiness when we come into the presence of God say Lord cleanse me purify me it is holiness praise the Lord I want you to read out a quote this is how uh, Jay Bridges puts it he says many Christians have what we call a cultural holiness and everybody who said who agrees with me would say amen now Nobody. All right. Good. What's the cultural holiness? They adapt to the character and behavior pattern of Christians around them, but God has not called us to be like those around us. He has called us to be like Himself. Holiness is nothing less than conformity to the character of God. End quote. Praise God. Holiness is nothing but conformity to the character of God. Meaning, when we conform our character to God, we fall in love with everything that he loves and we hate everything he hates. Because of what? Because we are connected. We got connected when we got saved and when we got connected when we submit ourselves to him and we draw closer to him, the connection got strong. Alright, but when we do an inner direction and there is a cleansing going on and a purification going on on an everyday basis, there is a maintenance of the connection. You got to you got to stay connected. Tell your neighbors, stay connected. Praise God. Stay connected to, to who? To Jesus. It produces the fruit of holiness. Holiness is not a bad word. Alright? Holiness is a good word. Do you know how it became good? Huh? Why is holiness a good word? Holiness is a good word because the God that you are serving is a holy God. He said, I want you to become like me. How many people that you know would say that I want you to become like me? Even at all, people will be envious if they are successful. If they are living in misery, they would think, oh, I wish that you guys were like me. But if you are successful, yeah. But God was almighty, full of grace and glory, He says, I want you to be like me. Be holy, for I am. living in holes is not gonna produce holiness subscribing to hollywood movies ain't gonna make me holy subscribing to bollywood ain't gonna make me holy praise god subscribing to god's word will make me praise god (laughs) praise god I have one more quote. It can't do better than the quote. Here it is. If you don't delight in the fact that your father is holy, 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 then you are spiritually dead. You may be in a church. You may go to a Christian school. But if there is no delight in your soul for the holiness of God, you don't know God. You don't love God. You are out of touch with God. You're asleep to his character, end quote, R.C. Sproul. Now, I don't want to tell you and give you a list of do's and don'ts. All right, I don't want to give you a list of do's and don'ts. But you can take your do's and don'ts, put it on a list, Put it on your phone, put it wherever you want, and bring it to the Lord. And ask him, Father, out of this, which one do you approve? Simple. He ain't going to lie. He ain't going to bluff. Out of this, which one would stand the test of God's word? Guys, please don't kid yourself the worst thing that you could do to yourself is go through the program and not be in the program. Meaning what? Go through the motion of church and yet not be impacted. Go through the motion of the church deep down in the soul still famished, living in famine, Not satisfied, not content, always grumbling, always murmuring, always fussing, always cussing. I'm telling you, it's a litmus test that you are not experiencing what God wants you to experience. Praise God. What is it that God wants us to experience? God wants us to experience the fullness of life. Life that is bubbling with joy. Life that is full. Life that is abundant. Life that has contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. God wants all of us to be people who are accomplished. People who have great gain in your life. I'm not done. But we got to conclude because the time will continue. Praise God. Tell me, close our eyes for a moment. One moment. Praise God. Are you connected? Are you connected? How's the connection? Is it strong? How many bars do you have? Look at yourself. Ask yourself, how many bars do I have? Do I have an 100%, 100%, 100%? If all my bars are active, or am I hardly connected? Once in a week I get connected. I send a text out there. I get a text up here. Sometimes I send a text before I get the text back. I'm disconnected. Oh, what a misery that is. Praise God. How's your connection? If the connection is broken down, can you send an SOS? 911 is free! You can dial 911 from any phone. You don't need a connection. Praise God. You don't need a subscription for a 911 call. You can send an SOS right now to him and say, Lord, activate my connection. Activate me, Lord. I'm disconnected, Father. I want you to connect me. I want you to enjoy. I want to enjoy that connection with you. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, the upward direction and the inward direction. We're going to pray all eyes closed. If you are that person on my right side who would say, Father, somewhere down the road, there has been a disconnect, but here I am. Here is my hand. Clean it. Here's my heart. Purify it and reestablish that connection, Father. Are you that person on my right side? May your hands go up. Are you that person on the left side? May your hands go up. And we'll pray together. Father in the name of Jesus. We commit God's people into your hands. We pray for God's work to be done. In all of our lives. Especially the one that's raising their hands. We pray for a connection. We pray for a. Desire and a passion. Deep down in their heart. To connect with you. And to maintain that connection. May that cool attribute in you which is holiness. Be part of my life as well, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen.